Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Oftentimes, movie and book titles overhype the actual story, but Rise and Shine is the title of our guest film, and it vastly downplays one of the most incredible journeys to professional sports ever. Stay tuned to find out who I'm talking about and why their story is so amazing. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As you start thinking about your spring sports season, the TeamSnap app can help you spend more time focusing on coaching and less time worrying about the team management side of things. Even in this preseason time, coaches can use the app to start building relationships with players and parents through the messaging features. Plus, once your spring schedule's ready, put it on the app for parents to easily sync to their calendars. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com slash winning for more information. Let me summarize a story. A boy from an American football town flies under the radar of pro leagues in the United States and he ventures to England where he played for a ninth tier club making $49 a week. He dramatically and rather quickly rises through the ranks, scoring the opening goal in a match that helped his side gain promotion into the Premier League. That highlight resonated back in the United States where leaders of the national side started to notice, eventually adding him to the roster and starting him in all four matches at the 2010 FIFA World Cup. You say this is preposterous, right? Even Disney would turn down a script because it's so far-fetched. Yet all of it is true, and Jay Demerit joins us in part one of our talk to share about his childhood experiences and influences. What are we waiting for? Let's get to it. Well, I am so honored and pleased to have as my guest today, Jay Demerit. Jay, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, uh, Thanks for your great topics of conversation. Happy to be here. Well, Jay, I, I got to tell you, man, when I told a few friends that I was going to be talking to you, they were so excited just because you've got such an incredibly inspiring story. Perhaps some of the listeners out there may not be familiar with your story just because uh, some of them are younger. But I, before we get to that, I really want to just ask you about sort of your childhood a little bit. Growing up in Green Bay, what's your favorite childhood sports related memory that you have? I think, again, being a Lambo guy, you know, as a kid, we used to bring our bikes over there and have Packers ride your bikes from the Lambo field down the parking lot to the Hudson Center where they train. And so, you know, that's a that's a childhood tradition here in Green Bay. Well, not here. I don't live there anymore, but uh, it certainly was when I grew up. And so I think, you know, those are my best memories. Again, Brett Favre, Sherling Sharp, these guys that were really my heroes growing up. You know, eventually being a professional soccer player, you you always ask me like, oh, who was your heroes growing up? Like, you know, thinking about some European or Johan Cruyff or Eric Cantona or like those types of names. And I'd be like, oh, Brett Brett Favre. Have you heard of Brett Favre? (laughs) Soccer fans (laughs) are like, what? Like, doesn't he play football? I'm like, yeah, but you asked me who my hero was growing up. And I think 
you know, Brett was just one of those players. And again, I, I, I know he's got into more media trouble these days. But back then, he personified toughness. He had, he had a smile on his face. He worked hard. He was good in the community. He was a nice guy that really cared about Green Bay and was tough and all the things that made him the type of player that, you know, Green Bay people loved. You know, I was no different. And I think, you know, as I yeah. became a, a soccer player, I really tried to be like that. And, you know, be tough, mm. have fun, enjoy the ride. Like, understand, yeah. you know, he came from a, a far off place, too, from the other side of the tracks and so i think you know like he, from a role model perspective get your chance and take it too like he did yeah. he, you know he had to wait in the wings he didn't get drafted he would and then he also he gets that chance boom starter never looks back and so i think i kind of tried to keep that mindset and, and, and like really use him as a role model uh growing up in green bay wow that is what a great story Jay, which coach encouraged and inspired you most when you were younger? Uh, I had a couple. I had, I had a basketball coach named uh, Mr. Deacon, who was a, uh, a motivator. He had a fire in his belly. So again, he didn't, if you got yelled at by, by Coach Deacon, you didn't like it, but he really kept us accountable. And accountability is a really good trait you need to learn early on. It's like, how do you keep people to what we say we're going to do? You know what I mean? And then like put in that little bit of pressure, you know, and I think he was the first coach that really put pressure on me for all the right reasons and kept me accountable for that pressure. And then when I got to Chicago, I had a coach um, named Brett Hall. I think he's in the in, in National Hall of Fame for soccer, he, Chicago Sting back in the day. But he, he, this dude was a fighter, an orphan. And he's like still to this day, one of the best college or, or age coaches in Chicago. He's coached so many to pro. And I think he, he was another one that really saw my journey, understood my story as a coach and knew I wasn't the one that was always first pick, but had a grind in me, had a, had a fire inside of me, had a heart on my sleeve. And he kind of resonated with that. And so he was one of the first mm. to pull me aside and be like, hey, I know you're doing it the hard way, but you're good enough. I've done it the hard way and you're and you're someone that I see something in me. He's like, you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep you got to keep putting yourself in these environments. You're good enough. You just your story isn't like everybody else's. So you got to do the most out of that. And so I think that those moments I really started to you know go within myself and push through. And, and we all have to. Mm -hmm. and, and really understanding my story, having people like him help me understand my story to be like, no, you came from the other side of the tracks. This is what you should be thinking. This is the way you should be right now. You know, you're not going to get picked. You think you're going to get picked? You got 100 people in front of you right now. You know what I mean? That are on the resume already. They play for Chicago soccer. They play ODP. They're got college recruits. Like I had none of those things. And so why, why would I sit there and think that I already thought that, but to having him go like, no, this is where you are in line, but you look at all the people you're hopping already just by being the player that you are. So keep going kind of idea. And so wow. you, know, you need those coaches in your stories to really push you through in times of like, Oh, am I good enough? Or do I belong here? And I think, you know, Brett Hall was a, was a huge influence on that. That's beautiful. Jay, when you were younger, what was the most valuable lesson you learned through a challenge or defeat? I mean, I, I think, you know, my dad was a track coach. Uh, he coached my high school for four years and my grandma, his mom was, was a track coach too. Like, and so I think we used to always talk about like, you're only as good as your next race kind of idea. And I remember like I was little, I was, I was only, I was five, six, 115 pounds when I was 16 years old. And so I was like a little guy. And so I was fast, but I was little. And so I ran the 300 hurdles in Wisconsin track. We, then we run the 300 hurdles, which is like a really hard wow. race. But like, I was just a little guy and I had to jump over all these hurdles, but I was still like, I was fit enough. So I was like good enough where I could like break the school record and be good. Right. But I, I wanted to win the conference championship and I got beat by this kid from my rival high school. And I remember like my grandma sitting there and she's like, well, go on, you got another race. Like, just, 
get it back on the next race. And so like these types of concepts of like, and, I, and we always talk about this in the professional game in soccer too. It's like, if you had a bad game, don't sit in it. You're only as good as your last game. So when you get the next opportunity, crush it, and then you can let that one go. You know what I mean? And so I think it was, I was like, you're yeah. only as good as your last race. So get in the starting blocks again and race again. You know, disappointment is real, but get in the blocks and find your new time and break the record yeah. again. Then they'll, then they'll put you right in the mindset again instead of living in this like loss phase. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah. I think I was, I had good support system around those times where like when I had those losses, instead of getting yelled at, I was like getting the blocks again. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the idea. And so that's not a new concept. People have been saying that in sports the whole time, but practicing it is different actually getting yeah. in the blocks and doing that and feeling that instead of going, I suck. This didn't work. My dad's going to be mad at me because I didn't win the race. Like you can live in that, but you can get yourself into that block again, or people can help you get in that block again too. And I think I had the combination of both, which again, in these initial years of like really me putting myself on the line, putting myself out of my comfort zone, going to places that I didn't belong in. I had to have that confidence inside of me because I knew those things were going to happen. I knew that wall would be there when I got there. And so you just, you're more inclined to run through it or go around it if you expecting the wall. And so I think mm -hmm. I've always kind of like, because of the roads I've had to travel and because of the adversity I've had to face, like I just get used to the wall. I'm like, oh, there's another wall. Like, I'm not like, oh my gosh, it's a wall. I need to turn around. I'm like, oh, it's a wall. I know what this feels like. I've been through these. Do I want to bust through it or do I want to be smarter and go around it? Like, those are my options. And so that's kind of the way my mentality has been built through, you know, obviously now almost 25 years since I've left my house as a 17 yeah. and a half year old. I'm curious, I'm just adding this question in here, but it, it really is something that's really been hanging in my mind as I watch your story uh, through your incredible documentary, Rise and Shine. This resilience that you have, this just grittiness that you have, this deep belief to not be derailed by just massive obstacles. Is that something that you think is just innate in you? Something that's just special to Jay Demerit, one of your special qualities? Is, or is that something that you learned over time that you practiced and that you developed that resiliency? Because I think we, especially in the United States, again, we talked about how international you are. But for some reason in the United States, I just feel like we have this desire to simplify things and just, oh yeah, you know, LeBron James, it, it was, you know, it's easy, right? He was just a great athlete all the time. And that's no, like LeBron <laughs> overcame a lot in his childhood, right? And he's had to defy so many things to still be great to this day. And, and yet I think we want to forget about some of those struggles and challenges. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is this notebook that I have on my desk right now. And it says, it takes a long time to be an overnight success. And I think like these types of reminders are true. We have to be patient with our stories. And I think I always remind, especially young people that are trying to create their own stories, is that the moment we start comparing ourselves to other people, when we're trying to be LeBron James, Lionel Messi, Jay Demerit, these players, Jay Demerit, if you will, we are automatically taking time and energy away from my own story. And so I think I was able to take risks because I had support. And I think that's one of the major reasons why I was, I've been brave in my decisions to do crazy stuff and to put myself on the line is because I know that if I failed, I'd still have parents that loved me and supported me. And that was enough. I didn't need their money. I didn't need their things. All I needed was their support. 
And so I think one thing when I talk about youth development, support is there. You just have to look for it and find it if you don't have it. And there are a lot mm. of people in this world now that don't have the support. Their dad doesn't like them, doesn't want to drop them off at training, doesn't say, hey, great job, or hey, I'm going to show up for your game tomorrow. That doesn't happen a lot mm. with your modern day raise of children. Again, I work mm. in teenage programs. I work leadership camps now. And so like I work with a lot of teenagers and I listen to their support and they're, it's few yeah. and far between. And I think that is one thing that I think I have to remind anyone that wants to get the most out of their journeys is find support because when you take that risk, if you mess it up or if it doesn't work the way that you desire it to be, you'll be fine. And then you're going to bust through that and learn that adversity is key to why you create resiliency in life. And so if you're not putting through and breaking through that wall with support to know the difference, then you're just going to see the wall and turn around because you're scared and you're not going to feel supported or loved or whatever it is that you desire. So, you know, find support. That's the first thing I had. And that allowed me to take the crazy chances. And now once I start practicing that and I realize move to Chicago, be the last in line, make the team, be all American by year two. Cool. Now I know that I've practiced that. And so now I'm going to have confidence in that because I just did it. I don't need anybody else to tell me I'm a good player. You know what I mean? I know that now mm. because I've done enough, broken through those walls, created those adversities for myself. But now all of a sudden I get into that other side. And I'm like, oh, this is what happens when you break through that? Cool. Breaking through adversity is something I like to do now. Challenging mm. myself out of my comfort zone is something I like to do now because I know, yeah. again, the support's still there. So I can still not be worried about the risk factor. But then I also am like, now I know adversity is actually just something I need to break through. Now I know the diversity is guaranteed. So why don't I just break through this one? And I think it allows me to keep that mindset as the adversities continue to come throughout my whole career and continue to come now. Like diversity is guaranteed. There isn't a person on the planet that doesn't face it. It's, it's just impossible to think that, I, you know, we live through this adversity free life. It's like, it just doesn't exist. And so yeah. I think I've always understood that innately. Innately, I've always had that ability, but I think it was because of the support and then the practice to through adversity, which has allowed me to create the mindset. Looking back, what was something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your journey? <laughs> well, again, that's number one. And, and I think, again, like when you think about parents, it's like I'm a parent. I have a seven-year-old son now, and I'm already realizing that it's it's his journey. And when I start to interrupt it by saying, do things like I did it, I already see his pushback. I already see the walls starting to come up in his experience and going, don't tell me what to do, dad. This is me. This is my journey. And I think I got to get out of the way of that as much as it is meaning to go, no, this is the way I did it. I know it worked for me. Look what I did. I can't do that to my kid. I won't do that to my kid because when I do, I feel aware enough to know that it didn't work because <laughs> I see him shut down and I see him go, oh, I don't want my, I don't want you to coach me, dad. I get that now. I, that's cool. I won't coach you. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to support. And so like, what do you need? Okay, fine. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but what do you need? And so I think my parents did a good job of that really putting me down the road, but still letting me be me and making my own decisions. And I think that allowed me to then once I'm out of the house and I got my own wings, I'm relying on them to support. I'm not relying on them to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And so this is the big difference between why parents can work as support, but why they don't work as a pressure system. And it's like, I think right now, a lot of parents are getting that pressure system wrong. We're looking at it objectively through our own lenses or our own failures or our own asks of what we want about our kids. And well, I don't think you should go to med school because I wouldn't go to med school because I don't like being a doctor. 
But if I'm projecting that, if my son wants to be a doctor, I'm like, oh, well, just because I don't understand medicine and it doesn't mean I got to tell him he can't be a doctor. And I think yeah. we, we as parents, we get in a lot of projection of our own ideals and without realizing that this is a kid that has their own ideals and we are there to support them in that ideal to be a parent. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's, that's really the antithesis of why we get it wrong is we get in the wrong mindset of why. Yeah. I think I was, from my parents, they taught me a lot of things. Again, my dad wasn't super easy on me, but he, he kept me accountable. And I think that was the other side of this. And again, if we, if we are parents and we're trying to develop our kids to be okay when we're not around, that's my goal as a dad is to have my son make the right decisions when I'm not there. Then I know I did a good job as a parent. And, and so all while still supporting him to be who he wants to be, that's the way my mindset works as far as my dad theories go. But mm -hmm. I look at my parents and I'm like, you know, my dad just really kept me accountable. My mom supported everything. My mom was great. And she always was positive when my dad would might have been like, yo, you scored two goals last week. This week you were standing around not doing much. Like what happened? I get mad at my dad, but he's, I'm only mad because he's right. <laughs> and I'm calling and I'm calling him a right. jerk and saying, don't yell at me. Don't tell me that. Like, what are you talking? You know, like I'm getting mad at him. But really, I look back on those moments and I'm like, well, he was right. Why did I score two goals the first week and was a menace out there to now going back and being a passenger out there? If mm -hmm. I set the standard and the accountability to be that player, it should be up to the coach and my support system. Be like, yo, I thought you weren't that. Look at mm -hmm. look at you now. Like that wasn't that. And so that's just accountability. And I think we have to do more of that. Then the next layer of that is communication of like how you actually communicate that. Because I think that's yeah. the last piece that we get wrong. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. Also, I've launched a new newsletter, the Youth Sports Sanctuary, which aims to provide a safe space to ask questions and engage in discussions on the important challenges and issues in youth sports. Before I close though, my presenting sponsor, Team Snap and I, are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches and youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student athletes. And we want to recognize Dante Prevet, who leads the planning and execution of coach education initiatives for the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. Among many other roles, Dante is the creator of NFL Flag Philly, and he's in his 15th year of coaching tackle and flag football, rugby, lacrosse, and basketball. Congratulations, Dante. Last but not least, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to app to help you have a successful spring sports season. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.